Okay, before we start, big announcement. Big, big announcement, folks. We talked about it last week. Uh, The panel discussion on black and Palestinian solidarity has been rescheduled for Friday, February 23rd, 6 p.m. Sinead Darby, our esteemed councilwoman, will be facilitating this panel. Um, You have to register. So send send something out to the Delaware uh, Delawareans for Palestinian Human Rights, or we'll probably link to it here. you got to register to get in. Uh, the panel is going to be great. Uh, as I said, uh, Dr. Rob Abel, uh, Dr. Zahir, who is a chemist at DuPont, uh, Jeffrey Richardson, uh, and Medina Wilson-Anton. So this is going to be cool. The big announcement this week is if you can't make it, the Delaware Call is sponsoring a live stream uh, to Black Mothers in Power Facebook page. This live stream is going to be very professional. I have friends who uh, do the co-show. You may know them uh, on YouTube. They do a weekly sort of uh, underground music show. It's like a four-camera shoot. It's pro- highly produced. That group, a, 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 a set of folks from that group is going to staff this, and they're going to live stream it. It's going to look dope. So if you're not able to make this event, Mark it down uh, and make sure you look for it. We're going to be live streaming on the Black Mothers in Power Facebook page, sponsored by your friends at the Delaware Call. All right, comrades and friends, hello. Uh, We are in the shadow of Rockford Tower. We're behind enemy lines. We're in the belly of the Delaware Way Beast. And the Delaware Way Beast rears its ugly head in many, many ways. It's behind every corner. It might be your boss. It might not be your boss. Who knows? But we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be talking uh, tonight about a little little sliver of the Delaware Way. Uh, we're gonna be talking about fines and fees. Uh, in early December, a report was made public. Uh, about Wilmington's heavy reliance upon um, parking and red light camera fees, much higher than uh, other cities. Um, and the group that wrote that report was led by our friend, Professor uh, Stephen Mitro from the University of Delaware, who was here. How about that? Hello. Hi, Steve. How are you? And uh, a public advocate. Uh, Ken Grant is also here, who has worked on these issues for many years, and it's Ken's first time in the studio. So, Ken, hello. It is an absolute honor to be here. Well, thank you. That's 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 very cool. Um, so, Ken, since this is your first time, maybe you can give us some background. Um, how how'd you get into uh, how'd you get into this issue of <laughs> of of, uh, of parking parking tickets yeah. and uh, and red light cameras? Oh my gosh, this. Uh... You know, I'm minding my own business. I'm at a party, you know, just having a good time. This is back in like 2010, 2011. I don't know. Um, And a friend uh, came in. We talked several times. Yeah, I mean, we're friends. And she said, you won't believe what just happened to me. And I'm like, tell me. She said, I, she goes, in my business, she, she actually worked as a contractor for the city at the time. And she said, I get parking tickets all the time. Just cost of doing business, get the ticket, pay the ticket, don't think twice about it. She said, I come home the other day, and there's an envelope waiting for me at home, you know, saying that I had not paid a ticket, and there was a hefty late fee involved, 
And she said, I just, I never saw that ticket. You know, it could have blown off, whatever. Uh, so she goes into the city the next day, says, look, I just got this. I didn't know anything about it. I'm not disputing the ticket. Can I just pay the ticket? And we waive the late fee. And what she was told was, no, you're a scofflaw who probably doesn't pay your bills on time. We can boot your car right now if we wanted to. Uh, you know, I mean, just basically just kept insulting her the whole time. And, and because she was a contractor for the city, one of the clauses in the contract was you can't badmouth the city publicly. And I said, okay, said so that applies to you, doesn't apply to me. So I just created this fun little animated video, which at the time there was a great program you could do free. It was, it was wonderful and I wish it was still around, but put together this little animated video recreating that event, changed her to a hymn to help uh, hide her identity and everything. And, um, and then uh, called up uh, Rick Jensen at WDEL, said, hey, you want to play this on the air sometime? And, and he was like, oh, you know, might be worth a few minutes uh, of a laugh or something. And so he plays it, and for two hours, the phone lines are lit up with people calling in to talk about their horror stories about parking in Wilmington. Uh, you know, some of the more common things, people getting tickets before they could get the money. I, I mean, before they got out of their car, you know, pull into the parking spot and reach down to get the, the change to put in the meter and boom, they've got a ticket. And when they would try to appeal it, they were told by the city, no, city code says the money's to be in immediately. Uh, you know, people who had uh, residential permits and were getting ticket after ticket after ticket. And when they asked the Prio, what the hell? The, the Prio's response was, we're told to write tickets and they'll figure it out on the back end. So they just had, to, so all these horror stories. So I reached out to the city and you know, said, look, there's, there's a real disconnect here because many of us are working hard to try to draw people into the city and your actions are you know, causing people to not want to come into the city. You know, and this is it's counterproductive and it's wrong. And their response was, oh, what can you do? So I started putting together a fun little series of what I call public service announcements where we, you know, kind of uh, took the absurd and, and all this is on the, the website. If anybody wants to check out uh, appealingwilmington.com uh, and scroll all the way to the bottom, you can see those early, uh, really cheesy videos from back in 2010, 2011. And, but that got everybody's attention. Next thing you know, the city calls me up and says, hey, can we talk? Uh, and this was the, uh, the Baker administration, you know, and, and so we ended up having several good conversations, productive conversations, and there were a lot of reforms introduced at that point. Uh, unfortunately at, you know, I was satisfied with that and let it be for a few years, not realizing how bad the system was and, and that this beast would just keep, uh, keep going so 2016 is when we I started hearing stuff about the red light cameras. And uh, fortunately, AAA, before I went to work there, had already started addressing um, the right turn on red cameras, got that changed in state uh, code so that the city can no longer issue tickets for right turn on red via camera. Uh, technically, it's uh, the intersection has to be declared dangerous by Del Dot before they can do that. And, and the trick there was, you know, they set up uh, that, that white triggering line 
so far back in the intersection that just by going up to check to see if it was safe to make the right turn on red, you'd already violated it and, you know, they'd nail you. And uh, I liken the city of Wilmington's um, parking policies to to being like going to that really bad uh, traveling carnival where you know no matter which booth you go in, there's, you know, it's rigged against you. <laughs> you know, and and uh, so the ball the, doesn't really go in the hole. Exactly. Yeah, the, the, uh, the rim the, is the, the rim diameter is less than the diameter of the ball. Precisely. Yeah, the 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 darts have been filed down. Uh, you know, yeah. it's I, I mean everything. Uh, you know, every little thing, and that's that's how the city's been doing. So what uh, further research found? Okay, it was the late nineties when uh, the city said this is how we're going to make money. We're going to jack the prices up to you know forty dollars a ticket, which even now is high compared to the rest of the region. At that time, it was, you know, double, triple what, what other cities were charging. And I'm talking about Philly, Baltimore, yeah, you name it. Um, and then they, they set this whole system in place, again, start just issuing tickets like crazy. Uh, now, they ran into a hurdle at first because people were taking their appeals to municipal court. And municipal court is like, well, this is a bogus thing, you know, and tossing the tickets left and right. So the city realized, oh, we have to dissolve municipal court. This is how ingrained this whole thing was. Uh, dissolve municipal court and create the Office of Civil Appeals. Uh, the Office of Civil Appeals sits firmly. It's it's moved around, but on the organizational chart, it's either in the administrate in the in the mayor's office or in the Department of Finance. Okay, uh, in the executive branch, it is not part of the judicial branch at all. The qualifications to be a civil appeals officer uh, is essentially high school education or GED, uh, can use Microsoft Word and pass a drug test. That's yeah. Customer it. service skills are optional. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, that, that became, you know, the rubber stamp no for most of these things. It's very interesting because, and Carl will probably remember more details than I'll remember, but very recently in the last few years, um, the city tried to do this with like uh, real estate stuff, like landlord stuff. Like, hey, we can put a new thing that's not judicial and we'll expedite all of your stuff and we'll, we'll make it like, hey, you can't. I think it was tenant, maybe it was tenant, landlord, tenant disputes, but they were, they were going to like, they were going to take it out of the hands of the judiciary and say, oh, no. We'll, we'll, we'll adjudicate these right, over right. here. And, and yeah, we have an interest in, uh, you know, big real estate, and we're basically on the side of big landlords, but just be able to do it faster. So, so, th- so this, is a, this is a trick that's, that's oh, oft used. And, 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 and this is how bad it is. For 16 years, uh, the, the standard boilerplate um, reminder that you would get, you haven't paid your ticket yet, and it would include a line in there, that if you didn't pay, that they could issue a bench warrant for your arrest and find you in contempt of court. Now, again, this is part of the executive branch, not the judicial branch. They have no authority to find anybody in contempt of court. They have no authority to issue a bench warrant. Uh, When I filed a FOIA request asking how many bench warrants have been issued or how many uh, people were found in contempt of court, the response I got was, none, we don't actually do that. So, you know, I mean, it's like, oh, okay, you just threaten. That's okay, whatever. Uh, now, that all ended in, in about 2018, 2019. They finally said, oh, yeah, we, we sh- probably shouldn't do that. 
Uh, you know, and, and that speaks to, again, this is a, a machine. Somebody put that in place at one point, and everybody else just kind of went along with it. Yeah, once it's in place, that's another thing. You know, another, part of this is it just gets entrenched, and nobody can, nobody can imagine a way of it being any different than it than exactly. today. That's right. really what it is. Uh, and then you get into, you know, uh, up until this past August, uh, for the past several years, you know, starting with COVID, you know, and they'll blame everything on COVID because it's an easy excuse. But the reality is, no, that's, uh, you know, people were uh, appealing, getting the rejection from uh, the Office of Civil Appeals. They still had one step further. They could appeal to JP court, but it has to be done through the city. So you send the city your request. I want to take this to JP court. And the city basically goes, oh, that's nice and does nothing with it. And you think, okay, well, big deal. It sits in limbo and you don't have to pay the 40 bucks, whatever, until you go to DMV to re-register your vehicle and DMV has your name on a list and says, oh no, you owe the city now, you know, because they've added on the late fees and everything. Now you owe the city over a hundred dollars and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, and in fact, the, the contract that the, or the agreement, um, Memorandum of Understanding was put in place in 2009 between the city and the state on this. So the the state the city takes all the money that it receives through that system and pays the state 23%, I believe it is. So last year that was somewhere to the tune of $90,000 or so. So yeah. Well, let's do this. Yeah. Um because you you mentioned one thing and I don't want to talk about it specifically until we go through some of the numbers and like just what the re- a summary of the report it is you, you talked about the decision being made to use this as a way to to, to drive revenue or, or or to to buttress you know that the budget and there are some interesting things in the article uh, that i want to cover about that but before we do that let's throw it to steve and talk a little bit about the report itself um the fines and fees you looked at came from uh budget material, public budget material. And when you broke that down, there was some, I wasn't sure, but the the city was sort of throwing back and saying, well, you didn't look at some of our other fees, like business fees, so it doesn't, it's not a good, so uh, do they lump everything together or were you able to clearly delineate, okay, these are the fees that we're looking for or was it all lumped together and you had to come to some kind of uh, some kind of way to figure out what the figure actually was in this category. So I'll take a couple of steps back. In um, about a about a year and a half ago or so, Ken kind of cold emailed me and said, "Hey, we're looking for somebody to do a study on parking." Now, I run a research center over at University of Delaware. Most of my work is in housing and homelessness. Very different. Well, not so much different from fines and fees because that, there's an overlap there. But, you know, I understood this to be basically like parking and red light tickets. And so we met, we talked, he gave me information. I was kind of, you know, bowled over as probably many of you are um, right now. And it's like, yeah, this sounds really good. Somebody should do something about that. But I don't think I, I don't think I'm the guy here. Uh, it's just, you know, it's, it's not what I do. It's, you know. It's research, but it's more of kind of a journalism sort. And Ken was, he didn't agree with me, but he was, he was nice about it. And we kept in touch and, um, he kept bugging me every so often and, um, and got some money for a student 
um, for student fellowship undergrad over this over last summer, and um, Ken and his group. Um, I forgot their names. Um, we're, we're basically the, the we call ourselves like the fines and fees justice. There's so many groups involved, but this the funding came from a national group, the National Cities and Counties for Fines and Fees Justice, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and we'll link to yeah. Mandy Mandy Freeze for the News Journal did cover this. There's a nice there, you know it is a decent article, and and the the report is uh, linked there too. So we'll link to that, and they do go into some effort to sort of explain where the funding came from. Right, and I actually talked to Mandy like after we we met a couple of times, and I I saw that Mandy wrote about him and and kind of. No, her. We've, um, I've talked with her in a couple stories she's been working on, and I called her and said, you know, is this guy legit? Is he like a crank? <laughs> and, and she goes, no. I mean, you know, she very much vouched for you. And I appreciate said that, that you're for real, and you know that a lot of this is documented, and there's also a lot more that I hope we get to in the show. Um, that it's kind of taken on. I mean, thing the whole appeals process, the towing, um. Just yeah. various things. Yeah, like I mean that. that's been a hot topic for a year or two now. They've gone back and, and looked at just the towing and and that whole process right. is, uh, looks pretty dirty. Is in federal court right now. Yeah. Um yeah. illegal search and seizure kind of territory, which um so so but I, you know, this report didn't have anything to do with that. So finally I basically you know, this is this is a great summer project for a student. Got her on it. Hoda Bazi is her name. She's a co-author with me on this report that we did. Um, you know, did did good work on it for a while, but then the summer got done and we were just like getting warmed up. And basically what we did was, you know, apart from the problems that with the with appealing the tickets, apart from the mess that the the towing was and various other things. It's just kind of looking at what as best we can see, you know, what's the economics behind two things. It's one is what's the economics behind this? You know, does the, you know, how much money does this make? Um, different questions like different questions related to that. And then the other one was that your group and it was you is Lynn Kilhorn, who I think has been on your show. Um, uh, she has been, fees, uh, and, she's, she was on for fines and fees and, I work with her very closely uh, with the Delaware Center for Justice too. Okay. So yeah, I, I know her. She's very a well. rock star. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's great. And then um, Chris, uh, Chris Willow, another badass troublemaker, yeah. and um, who's who I've run into a couple. And so, so the three of them was me and Hoda, and we kind of met on a regular basis. And then, and they also, you also did a survey. Um, right. There was yeah. There was a huge. And, and in fact, uh, Brandon Fletcher helped. Uh, Helped us get that uh, survey. Shout out, out to all the, of them. I'm yeah, big I mean, fans we, of all those three people. Uh, and and uh, council member Sinead Darby is a key uh, part in all of this. She's uh, you know really connected us uh, with the national group and yeah. Uh, but but yeah, the uh, the the surveys we we conducted both online and and some uh, in person ones. Uh, you know, really just going door to door and yeah, got some great information there. So let's get back just to so, anyway. quickly to the to the to the fees part to the sort of yeah. the data how you how you arrived at um, at what the fees were and this number sort of four four point four four and a half percent of the of the budget. So yeah, so I'm I'm kind of wrapping up my long winded kind of prologue to all this, but uh, so so what drew me into all of this is Wilmington. Wilmington does their best to cover their tracks, and they will pretty much release 
the information that they have to and no more. So they're going to be no help and probably probably as much of a hindrance. So the the challenge became, you know, how much data could I get on this and make a may you know just find you know how much could I find out on this just based on just budget information and what is uh, um and you know what's out there what's available and um and turns out there's a good amount of stuff if you dig deep into the budgets and other kind of fiscal documentation that they have of course there's a lot that's also unanswered that there's questions that I'd love to find out but um but we had enough to kind of patch together um and this is all just you know just kind of combing through budget documents and related uh, from the Department of Finance, the City Department of Finance, um, their documents and kind of the, so to answer your question, red light tickets and parking tickets are pretty much by what the city says about 90% of the total fines and fees that the city collects. And the city does not have any kind of court fees or anything that they can collect, which a, a lot of places, Ferguson, for example, did a lot of that. City of Wilmington doesn't do that. There, one thing that's kind of different about the city is that the police really aren't involved with the fines and fees. Um, you know, they don't write tickets. That's all the the finance department. They, you know you know, red, red light tickets are totally contactless. I mean, you get your picture taken, you get a ticket sent in the mail, and then you, you know, you, and then when you pay, it's usually, you know, you you just pay over the internet well, or something. Uh, quite frankly, it's embarrassing. Uh, you know, I've seen case after case where city police don't even know what the parking regulations are. There was a guy visiting town on a Sunday and couldn't, you know, and I hear this all the time. People are like, I don't understand what these signs mean. Like, you know, what what the real yeah do i have to pay do i not pay you know whatever blah 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 so 90 and, and this guy asked uh asked wilmington police you know it's a sunday afternoon do i have to pay for parking and they just shrug their shoulders and we don't know uh so, even if they did know they probably wouldn't right so yeah so, so yeah so anyway so like upwards of 90 percent of fines and fees collected by the city of wilmington is through parking tickets okay. and red light violations so that then we arrive at that of that number 4.4 percent which is like extremely high relative to comparable sort of places right, around here. Right. So, so we look and you can download the report and I hope you link to it. In, we will, your, we'll link to the report. Cause I have, I, I have a copy of the report. Uh, we, it also is linked. Um, but it is linked in the, De in the Delaware online story, but some people don't have the subscription to Delaware online. So we'll just link to the report. Well, and yeah. Delaware public media did a story on it where they linked to it. Okay, or great. you can go onto and, uh, Ken's uh, website. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll, it'll, it'll be there for people to look at. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so, you know, you kind of see, so what we see is first of all, when you mentioned, um, you mentioned like around 2012 or so, when you started getting involved in that, we, you know, we can go back all the way to about I think two thousand three, two thousand four, um, with like where the city started making public budget reports publicly available online, and um, and then reporting the fines and fees, and it kind of kind of started to steadily go up and kind of peaked around twenty twelve, and that's you know when it sounds like you know to put a bigger structure around what Ken was saying 
is that, you know, things got a bit crazier and a bit crazier. More tickets were being issued and, you know, there was more money coming in. And in order to kind of keep that going, um, you know, you had to you had to hit people before they even made it make it to the meter and different things like that. And all of that is like, kind of like documented where like 2012 things kind of hit a tipping point and people started pushing back. And then things went went down it went up a bit and that was when kind of the red light cameras were hitting were were getting into gear and um and revenue was coming more and from that i mean you have to remember i mean it's a 40 dollar parking ticket which everybody complains about and it's what like 110 111 dollar right. red light ticket so you know you run a red light it's considerably more expensive and and this is my my little story uh i uh I'll tell him. Like he doesn't listen, so I give him a shout out. My my wife's uh, son uh, borrowed the car several years ago, uh, ran a red light, uh, but it, the ticket got sent to the wrong address. Uh huh. Because heard it was that like one a before. Yeah. yeah. So the ticket yeah. gets sent to the wrong address. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, I come That's home, a common story though. I, but because the one red light ticket is over a hundred dollars, whatever, one hundred eleven dollars, whatever, with with whatever it's in mm-hmm. there, they booted my car. Yeah. And I was like, I was mad, but I didn't care. I don't drive that much. Then they just towed it. And I went down and I had it out with them. And they were like, uh, I was like, I didn't get the ticket. I'll pay the t- like, I would have paid, probably paid the ticket. I don't care. But I never got it. They were like, oh, tough shit. So that was my that was my deal. Now, again, I'm lucky I can just go get the car. It wasn't a big deal. But it was a big pain in the ass. And that was and that was what it was. It was uh, because of a red light. Uh, the, the You know, because just that one fine had exceeded the. The, the limit now it's interesting because they have uh played with that from a hundred dollar trigger to now it's at a two hundred dollar trigger uh which still that's you know yeah one red light two regular parking tickets you know boom you're you're pretty much at that two hundred dollar threshold um yeah it's it's pretty ridiculous yeah so b- before we go a little further into the report um i i wanted to point out some of those things within the Within the back and forth that was covered in the press, that I that I thought was was interesting, and get your comments on it. Um, number one, I think early in the in the piece, uh, it's it's explained that the, the Wilmington has I wrote it down resisted. That's the word they use. Wilmington has resisted reducing parking ticket fees, pointing to budget deficit it would create. But then later on, they're adamant that this is not for mm-hmm. budgetary <laughs> reasons. Like right. it's three right. paragraphs later, right? And right. I'm like, look, I'm I'm not an academic. <laughs> I just read English. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Number one. Hmm. So, I, I, and I, and I, I assume when you when you make the comment that it's that they made a decision to do this for revenue, that's one of the reasons. Is yeah, they don't come out. It's not written down anywhere. Oh, it might as well be. I mean, but but, they, they, but it's very clear that right. again they resisted reducing no, the ticket they, fees because of budgetary exactly reasons. No, so. they've they've issued statements to that effect. You know that the uh, so the crazy thing is uh, October of twenty twenty two. You know, the, the city put, you know, the administration, the mayor put out his list of here's the reforms that we're introducing because this is the other pattern. You know, every couple of years, uh, there's a big push for reform. And before anything can actually happen, the city says, oh, wait, the administration says, here's here's a list of reforms we're introducing. And then two years later, oh, here's the list of, of reforms we're introducing. Same list, you know, uh, that they haven't actually done anything with. 
So October of 2022, they said we should reduce ticket prices to $25. You know, and the mayor was very adamant about this. And then six months later, they're telling city council members, oh, no, we actually ran the numbers. We can't do it. You know, and that it became a real thing for for several months there. And fortunately, they came up with that compromise that, you know, it's not ideal, but, you know, now you pay within the first 14 days, it's $25. Okay, fine. You know, we'll... Even though we can talk about this because there is there is an inequity kind of linked to race, linked to that was that was going to be my next question status. too is how how you were able to to uh, if you summarize how you were able to make that connection. Okay, and let's we're let's let's stay with let me stay with the fiscal and then then we can go to this. Okay, because cool, there, cool, cool. There's also I mean, the more I think about it, the more I kind of really feel that this kind of compromise really broadens the who the the gap between who can pay and who can't pay and okay, yeah, i'd yeah. like yeah. us to that. get back to that but anyway so um so there's a a steady rise from like between one and two percent way back in the early aughts all the way up to like 2012 and then through the through the teens where they're kind of regularly collecting up to four percent of the of the total municipal um revenue came and that's from, that's anywhere um, from 60 to seventy thousand tickets a year on average in a city of a lot of tickets, yeah. um, most of which are are received by residents, as far as we can tell. Don't have exact numbers on that, but um, but it also stands to reason. So this is this is like an additional tax that gets levied on the good residents of Wilmington, and um, and also does not get levied evenly. I mean, you park on the streets, especially if you're on the streets where there's, you know, where there's street cleaning and you have to move your car, you're going to get a ticket. Um, if you have a driveway or if you have access to off-street parking, you're going to be a lot more insulated from that. Um, so it's, you know, who gets tickets, who doesn't is, um, you know, it, it doesn't, it's, it's not a crapshoot. Uh, and, and so, and also, you know, and also of course, ability to pay, but Anyway, getting back, so up to about 4%. Now, there's also, and again, I'm a researcher, so I not only dove into the the, the budget numbers, but also kind of combed the internet. And there's a good little body of research out there by other people who have looked at this. Um, the Census the census Department, the Census Bureau, U.S. Census Bureau, has a, um, has a survey of cities where they actually collect... Um, for most cities from like you know two two population two hundred on up, they'll collect um money they'll collect data on budget you know revenues going in um expenditures going out and turns out other people have have done the numbers most cities again collect between one and two percent of their of their municipal revenue off of fines and fees and this is all kinds of different fines and fees and um we did the numbers uh same data um did the same procedures um from from other studies and got number of close to about four percent of the municipal revenue came from this which again isn't doesn't break the bank but like ken was saying a minute ago is obviously enough to where the city can't quote unquote afford to um to bring the tickets down so it's a little bit like they're hooked I mean, you know, they you get on that juice and yeah. just need more and more. Well, they start well, going especially, in especially when, uh, you know, uh, almost half of that uh, or about half of that goes to a third party contract. Yes. 
well, that's there's there's three parts to what we found. So first of all, is you know numbers are going up steadily. The numbers were at least twice as much. And also, if you do the math and you look at the revenue collected and then you divide that, you get a per capita number, and it comes out to roughly a hundred a hundred dollars per capita. It's somewhere between eighty eight and a hundred, and it depends what year you you get the numbers on and and how you get that. And typically, the per capita numbers for municipalities are going to be about a quarter of that. So the differences are even more stark. So Wilmington's an outlier. And I want to be clear, they're not a Ferguson, you know, it's Ferguson, the, the, the percent was even crazier. I mean, it was, it was like much higher. So it's, so Wilmington is not all the way there, but it's still substantially higher than, um, than most cities. And so, you know, you can make a good case that it's a problem. And then what else there was, there was data about the money paying out so basically so you got the money coming in and i i i work with numbers all day and i really all, all the time and i have a bad time remembering it's in the report i can look at it but you know so you have the total revenue and then you can also look at how much does the department the finance department a how much do they contract out mostly to this this company called conduit which was a xerox spin-off and they have tickets they have the contract for maintaining the um all the red light cameras and everything and then also sending the tickets out and collecting um collecting the revenue they also have um they also have an involvement with parking which can you probably know more about that than i do but um they get a good chunk of this um the finance department you know they they have the the priya which is the acronym for meter parking uh, regulation enforcement officer yeah pretty much like people who write the parking tickets they all get paid and that money all comes out and turns out that it's not a very efficient way to collect to collect revenue because you're paying out about a third of that goes to conduits and other smaller contractors and um, another chunk goes to the um, goes to the the meter the priya people, and so you collect you pay out more than you collect on the money that's coming in. So for every dollar that you get from fines and fees here in Wilmington, over fifty cents comes back out again. So the city's not so the crazy thing is for as much revenue as it gets, the city doesn't get that much and also and i don't have the numbers to prove it but the evidence was circumstantial um there's a public document where the city hinted at this and they also didn't deny this when they were asked is that with parking that with parking tickets one of the reasons they don't go under 40 dollars is because if they put it down to $25 wholesale they start losing money it costs more than $25 a ticket to collect that money and um, so they pretty much have to keep it higher. And again, you know, that's kind of the signs that maybe the city is a bit too <laughs> addicted to. The, you well, know, and, and again, I, I well, just want to I want to bring up this one point to get your just the second. It's actually the last sort of point on sort of the pushback the city was getting because I can I I can understand their point. I think they said something about being in the it's the best interest of the public to have some sort of control for for safety and and all of that and 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 I can I I could buy that if you then wanted to be transparent with it if you wanted to say yeah this is for the reason and we're going to show you the reason but they don't want to they don't want to show you that number 1 number 2 is something we talked about and I don't know whether 
Um, this is something that you can look at when you're just sort of researching it and doing that kind of work. But like you're you're not, you know they 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 don't they they don't enforce parking after six or on weekends. Right. Like so, like oh, what are you really doing? Like is it like it, do we not have issues on Saturday night? Do we not have issues at seven p.m. on a Thursday when there's a show at the Grand or something? It's like it's very it's it's selective. It's like we do it during business hours. Uh, but we but we're trying to like control. It's it's very it's very sort of strange. It's a, it's a strange thing to say that it's in our interest when you don't want to be transparent and you and you you do it in a selective, very very selective way. And that's one of the things we call for in the, in the report. And we sent you know we sent an advanced copy of the report to the city and you know invited them to give comments. Um, and also. Every single number in this report is documented where it came from, you know, how we got it. And also, if there's, the any lim- if there's any limitations, then we point them out. If there's any uncertainty, like I said, with the parking tickets, I can't prove they lose money, but it really seems like they do. And that's pretty much what we, that's pretty much how we say it in the report. And I kind of felt good because the city kind of pushed back on various things, but they did not dispute us on any of the numbers. So when, you know, we said the city isn't making much money on this, they didn't dispute that. Um, and so, you know, you get, you know, people like you all, I live in Philadelphia where parking's a whole different story and we won't go into that, but, um, you know, Wilmington, I mean, you're a lot of the money that you're paying in tickets and that a lot of people are struggling to pay um, goes to a private contractor, which we don't know the details of this contract at all. But we do know that like 30 something percent of the well, revenues. So, so, yeah, they're they're the And this this contract. Oh, man, I, 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 I almost want to if I didn't have scruples, I'd go work for Conduit. Um, you know, they're they're guaranteed. Hundred was a hundred and two thousand, hundred five thousand a month, that automatically increases by two and a half percent every year, plus thirty percent of what they bring in when they go after people. You know, they they act as a collection agency, uh, and that's you know part of the reason that the city has them is because uh, you know if you come here from New York, get a parking ticket and say screw it, I live in New York, you know, and go back. Conduit will chase you down in New New York and boot your car there and do whatever to get that money. But again, they get their thirty percent out of that. You know, city gets whatever's left and over. City's always the last one to get paid too. Conduit gets theirs. Yep. You know the 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 people who write the tickets Prius. They get they get paid. And after all of that's done, then the city. So when when it's a bad year, especially in the first couple of COVID years. Um, when the revenues went way down, Conduent did fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people <laughs> That's a, what a shock. Yeah. People yeah. still got paid, and you know, the margin that the city collected was very, very thin. And so, again, this whole the whole way this is set up is just not not in the city's interests. And you know, and they won't open. You know, they they won't make public. You know anything related to you know how good a deal are we getting here from um in in this whole business so so well you know my you know my uh, position on figuring out ways to get sort of take municipal processes and privatize the 
the revenue that comes from them. That's one of my big, whoo, boy. I mean, that's, 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 that's one of my problems with the whole idea of the way that, you know, going back to what we talked about before, uh, whether you take Carney or Przicki or anybody, that's what they're there to do. You're questioning their, their, their raison d'etre or whatever you call it. You know, that's what that, that's what they live for that. They are putting in place a system to move, get, get, you know, private, get some, make some private money, uh, maybe break even on the other thing, but then uh, feel like that they have a process that they can point to and say that they're enforcing something. And speaking of that, that's, is there any um, data or uh, information about the placement of the red light cameras and whether or not they do um, have any impact on, like, safety? Because I, I do know safety on the roads has been a big thing. Oh, people, yeah. people are out of control. I don't know if you guys notice this. So I, don't, I don't drive. I take the bus because I don't <laughs> want to get involved with it. But, yeah, it, it does seem like there's an argument to be made like that maybe something should be done about certain maybe intersections or certain right. places. But I don't know whether there, there's data that says, yeah, actually we are targeting particular dangerous places or, and we're you know we're watching those places is that is that something that plays so, out so again going back to 2016 and and the AAA involvement with uh you know asking the, and, and again this is a previous administration this is just part of the machinery uh and that's when the general assembly said you know no del dot has to basically confirm this is a dangerous intersection they've got that data and you know we we did a comparison it's like okay here's the list of dangerous intersections from del dot here's the list of where these right turn on red cameras were and the two did not match. Uh, and, uh, you know, and they, and the city basically said, yeah, the, the contractor picked, you know, where to, where to put the cameras, which yeah, intersection. Wonder how they do so, that. Yeah, exactly. It's like, couple, oh, this is probably guesses. a place where, uh, you know, a lot of people would try to make a right turn on red. We'll yeah. you know, rig the system and boom. Uh, now it's, uh, and, and now they've increased the number of red light, uh, cameras again. This is for the you know you're blowing straight through or whatever, um, and I I don't I haven't seen I've I've looked to see if there's been any kind of studies on uh, traffic safety in the past few years in in Wilmington. I haven't come across that yet. I was and anytime I file a FOIA request, I'm told no, you're the reason that we're being sued and there's a lawsuit, so we can't give you any information. I cannot wait for that lawsuit to be over so I can get back to filing FOIA requests again. Yeah. Also, and like going back to this, like you know, drug drug addiction metaphor, is traffic light tr cameras build a tolerance where you know you you blow a red light in an intersection, you're gonna be a lot more careful, and you have to pay a ticket. You're gonna be a lot more careful next time you go. So the revenue at tickets, and this is kind of a general phenomenon, mm -hmm. not just in Wilmington, just goes down the longer it's there, which means to keep the revenue steady, you have to expand the number of intersections that you put cameras. So, you know, again, as a revenue generator, it generates the revenue, but it kind of declines over time, and you have to use more of it to get the same fix. And um, so it gets it gets complicated. Yeah, you mentioned something before, and I, I want to bring it up sort of as a little bit of a topic because I have certain thoughts about people who complain about parking in Wilmington. As a Wilmingtonian, I think it's like a, a suburban problem. Like, if you don't want to come here, don't fucking come here. We didn't invite you, you know. Anyway, like stuff like that. Or use and, an Uber, or yeah, yeah, or you know, I was on the bus, man. Okay, I don't see you. 
Um, but, um, you know, that's just a funny sort of, uh, you know, a yeah, funny I ride way to the look number at six it. bus lot. But, 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 uh, but you mentioned too that the, the majority of these tickets are city residents. Uh, is, is, or is it is a majority? Is it a lot large share? Do we know sort of what per- percentage uh, city residents at other places or, or people who have to move their cars uh, for, you know, for street cleaning and stuff like that? The best data we have on that is data. And where did Christian, I forgot where Christian got that data on people who are in, um, what do you call it, who haven't paid their tickets. Scofflaws. Pay the tickets, scofflaws, basically, and have like the zip codes where those tickets are from. And that's overwhelmingly from, um, that's overwhelmingly from Wilmington zip zip codes. And also, you know, particular zip codes um, close to downtown and, um, you know, neighborhoods are kind of poor. And, um, but if, but if you, but if you park there on the deco block, you are not getting a ticket ever. Yeah, that corridor. I guess they don't want to see people with tickets, uh, you know, in the, in the famous I, uh, Hotel Dupont corridor. Yeah, that's. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I not only did I do the thing where we chalked tires all day. Uh, I don't know if you saw that video or not, but uh, yeah, we 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 actually. Uh, I my assistant and I went out one day, and from eight a.m. till six p.m. the time that they're you know, we chalked every tire, uh, you know, and made little clock faces on the on the tires like every couple hours not a single ticket all day uh 20 some cars parked there all day more recently you know a couple weeks ago on a tuesday we had the snow and i go by there thursday at noon and i took pictures of five six seven cars covered in snow no ticket no yeah i mean it's two days later and they're still covered in snow and there's no uh no tickets or anything uh, and there's no way to pay for parking there, even if you wanted to. Uh, they have a kiosk that's broken, uh, no no meters, and there's no code for Park Mobile for that side of the block, which is all painted yellow, that, that curb. And the reason that's important is because uh, what, what got me started on this was a year earlier, I'm sitting in one of the appeals, one of the few, the, the, one of the few appeals that was held that year, uh, a woman had parked her car with the front tires just over the yellow curb area. And the city attorney just kept saying over and over again, everybody knows you don't park at a yellow curb. Everybody knows you don't park at a yellow curb. But apparently at Deco, you can park at a yellow curb for days without a ticket. So Good to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't go, to, don't go to Deco, though. Go somewhere else. <laughs> um, I, I want to close with a discussion uh, on something that um, I mean, you were you live in Philadelphia, Steve, and and it, it's it's they they they're doing something that um, potentially we'd like to do here in Delaware, uh, and sort of expand what they're doing in Wilmington to the state, because uh, I don't think the police in Philadelphia now that uh, you you just get a ticket whether it's speeding or or do you, are, they've passed some sort of ordinance where the the actual traffic stop uh is being sort of phased out is uh, that's my understanding and that th- there's there's less of that i i mean i guess we, you you're seeing more sort of red light cameras and other things and other surveillance uh, but it is helping like for example you know being able to i think the famous one in, at least in delaware courts is you know they pulled a car over because they didn't signal 300 feet before a turn 
And like, how can you, you know, really adjudicate that? And it's, and it's just a pretense to pull a car over. But if you sort of take that out of play, take that all out of play, and say we're all—it's all going to be automatic, then that you—you've—you've—you've—you know, you—you said that those police interactions now will be handled in the way that red light cameras are handled. Um, I, I I don't know what I, th- I I mean I understand the argument for it and I think it's probably good and I I wonder I don't know how long Philadelphia's been doing it uh, but I know that they are doing it uh, and if that's uh, you know what 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 are the implications to that? It's been a couple of years. I don't know. I am not on top of it, but I I'll tell you what I do know. Um, so these are like yeah minor minor violations that police have you know most police have in their arsenal to to pull a car over you know broken taillight is another classic um which you cannot do in philadelphia anymore the police officer really wants to ticket them they're going to write the license plate down or do whatever punch it in a laptop and then it'll get a they'll they'll get a ticket in the mail um so and that's that's how that happens now so what the main thing that does is it reduces police and uh, you know police civilian interactions under charged situations. Well, it does two things. It reduces that. So arg- arguably that will save lives, not just civilian lives, but also police lives. But then the police are going to complain because they feel like that's important for just for surveillance or you know they see somebody doing something suspicious and he's they've got a taillight out that gives them reason to pull somebody over and that tool is lost. So they are, they are against that, which again, I'm less personally, and you know, no, no research that I have behind this, uh, you know, I'm less sympathetic for that argument that I am, that it can potentially save lives, both blue lives, black lives, and all kinds of other lives. And so, um, so to me, it seems like a good idea. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, that, that's that's one of the the red light and sort of uh, automated things that because it has to, and I think you described it perfectly. Like there are that when when, I, when, I, when an intersection or a place gets known for people get cameras there, they're ca- more careful there. Obviously, anybody would do that, and so the the numbers come the, the numbers of violations at that location come down. But you need that money coming in, so you find another one, and you find another one, and you find another one, and then. And that's the contradiction, because if you're doing it from a safety point of view, that's good. The less money you get from tickets, the more efficiently you enforce that, the more effectively enforce that, that's good. But if you're doing it on a revenue perspective, that's bad, because you don't have the revenue coming in. It's when you irregularly enforce it, when it's like, you know, 10 times you can blow the red light, and then on the 11th time they're going to nail you, that then you're going to do, you know, that's basic psychology you're going to do it over, you're much more likely to keep doing it, and you're going to, you know, and the tickets are going to keep rolling in. Same thing with parking meters. If most of the time you get away with it, occasionally you don't. And, I mean, that's how I live in Philly. I mean, I basically, you know, just just in my head, I say, you know, there's going to be $100, $200 a year I'm going to pay towards parking tickets just because. It's right. not my fault or anybody else's fault. It's just because that happens. So, so I'll, I'll say, uh, yeah, there's, there's a, a, a strong distinction. I'm, I'm going to take us in the Wayback Machine to uh, around uh, late 90s, early 2000s. There was a big debate about um, speed enforcement uh, by small towns uh, downstate. So you had Fredericka, whose uh, police officer, one police officer, would sit out there on Route 1 
and there's like a little section of Route 1 that passes through, you know, technically the town limits of Frederica, and he'd just start nailing people, you know, speeding through there. Okay, clearly that's a revenue thing. That, that has absolutely nothing to do with, you know, no one's life is in danger by you doing, you know, five miles over the speed limit or whatever there. Uh, compare that to uh, Harrington. You know, you're going down uh, 13 and, and you get to Harrington, all of a sudden the speed drops uh, dramatically and everything. But guess what? There's intersections there. There are crosswalks. There's people, you know, there's, there's a reason uh, for that dramatic drop and the tickets that were being issued there. So uh, I say that to say this. Um, we've had a couple of interesting experiments uh, in Delaware lately. The Number one was the I-95 construction thing. And that 95 construction, I mean, I, I'm going through it feeling, you know, it, just having those Jersey barriers on each side, you're down to a single lane. You know, I don't want to go more than 40, 45, whatever the speed limit was for that construction zone. And yet people are barreling through there and causing crashes. So Dell Dot put up the uh, the cameras there. Now, they did a few things. Number one, the cameras were in the middle of the construction zone. You had warnings two miles out saying speed cameras in force. Uh, you know, and people are still barreling through. I forget the the thousands of, of tickets that were issued that first. And, and for the first month, people just got warnings. There was no financial hit or anything. Uh, so that should have been an indication like, okay, this is purely for safety uh, reasons. And it did finally cause people to slow down. So that, and that was uh, very interesting information that got shared nationally that became a, an interesting study. The second thing is the new uh, school bus camera uh, uh, setup. Now, again, I think we can all agree Shouldn't be passing a school bus, you know, when it stopped and picking up kids, letting kids off or whatever. Uh, and thousands of tickets have been issued to people, you know, blowing past school buses. So uh, hopefully that behavior starts to change uh, finally. So, you know, those are those are the specific safety areas that I can I can certainly get on board with and agree with. Uh, you know, the, the parking enforcement that the city uses is uh, is a boondoggle at best. I don't know. I mean, is your objection or how much of your objection are the parking and the red light? I mean, red light is, I think, a bit more debatable. Well, I mean, parking, you have, you know, how necessary is it to move cars when you're when you're doing street cleaning, things like that? Uh, you know, is it is it how much is it how it's enforced? How much is it? You know, are you a parking abolitionist kind of? a? No, 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 no. Not, I'm and, certainly not an abolitionist. Uh, um, uh, in fact, you know, what we were discussing before we went on the air here was uh, that that the problem is that all these rules were put in place at a time when the city shut down basically at five o'clock at night. There wasn't a weekend thing. You could you could go down uh, town on uh, on a weekend in the 90s and it was a ghost town. Uh, that's not the case these days. If anything, there should be reasonable parking enforcement, uh, you know, throughout the day, throughout weekends. Uh, and everything to help keep the traffic flow going. Um, but it's it's unbelievably arbitrary. It is, you know, I mean, I, I can, besides the deco block, there's like five or, oops, five or six other areas of the city where I can say, oh, anybody can park here and not have to worry about getting a ticket at certain times. Conversely, I can take you to the areas where it's like, you're going to get nailed, you know? Uh, and, and it's it's unfair and arbitrary. I'm going to jump in one more thing i know we're we're getting close to the end here 
And I do want to say the other part of this report looks at the survey data, which um, never have advocates do survey data for you because they invariably do a terrible job at it. But we got handed the survey and that. basically got charged to make sense out of it. And it was, you know, it, it hurts my soul about how much data we had to throw out. But there were a couple things that we were able to to salvage. Um, and those kind of indicated some pretty substantial racial disparities in terms of, I mean, we could only look at people who receive tickets. So we couldn't say who's more likely to get tickets or not. But there was a, a big racial disparity in terms of who were more, who received more tickets. A, who received more tickets and who received less tickets. We kind of split that up and there was a clear racial disparity there. And then also there was a lot of questions about have you ever had trouble paying for tickets? And there was a large racial disparity there. So that, which kind of, you know, it's not conclusive, but it kind of leads to the likelihood that there's a disparity plus the overwhelming literature from pretty much any other city where this has ever been done that has documented that um, fines and fees and particularly parking tickets, um, you know, um, red light tickets, speeding, speed camera tickets, which we don't have. I mean, there is, you know, um, people of color get hit harder than white people who are, you know, people who have the hardest time paying for them get hit harder than, um, than people who are better off for a variety of reasons. Um, that is, seems you know that seems to be the case in wilmington i would feel pretty confident saying that is the case in wilmington even though the numbers aren't conclusive about it that's one thing where we disagree very much with the city who basically say you know racism doesn't there is you know ticketing is colorblind kind well, of you know thing. what they said and, I, don't, I don't know if you said you know the uh, sample size they said it's uh, ran, it wasn't a random sample what did they say it must it must yeah. drive you as a as a as we an put academic, all that in the report as an yeah. academic uh, and, and somebody who just you just admittedly said how much you didn't want to do this it was had, to, had to kind of had to kind of shitty. Sh had to kind of <laughs> shove some data out it must drive you mad that they're they like well they didn't they didn't do it right okay um, um, but I think the point yeah. somebody made it earlier so the, you know the, the the data that we do have indicates this the data that other places have indicates this um, and the only thing the city's doing is classic Delaware way or just like brush it aside be like no but the other thing that I think everybody has to reckon with is that, you know, off-street parking is going to be in affluent areas, pretty much. Um, even here, um, the street parking is is, is better um, just because it's not, there's you know, you're, you're further away from sort of commercial stuff. Uh, if you're not on the high street or like, you know, it, you know it, it's a lot easier. So just, just that, people should understand what that means. That has ramifications. Um, you know, if you can't pay your $25 ticket in five days, well, who are those people? That exactly. has ramifications. Exactly. I mean, you have to, you know, you had to, you had to give it maybe 10 seconds of thought to figure it out. But yeah, of course, that's all going to have consequences. And, and that's where there's some interesting work being done in other cities where, you know, the fines are kind of graded on ability to pay or the fines are initially very low. And then once you get you know, with each additional ticket that you get, the fines get higher. So people who habitually offend or are going to be, you know, more on the hook, regardless of their income, their ability to pay where, you know, kind of occasional 
conscientious people aren't going to to be impacted by that because you know our the data again shows and it's not perfect data but it's it's also the the results were were pretty clear that um a lot of people have problems paying tickets and you know and that shouldn't be i mean it should be a deterrent when necessary but it also shouldn't break your bank either. And, I, and i love that sliding schedule i mean there's a famous story we've talked about it before and i cannot remember the the country it occurred in it was definitely a scandinavia country it could have been finland it could have been denmark um but a, a, a guy you know is like a ceo uh, and they do you know he was speeding over the in a lamborghini or something over the you know 110 miles an hour and they do the math you make seven million dollars a year you owe us sixty-seven thousand dollars. you know it's that kind of thing like that, that we have math to figure it out, and you know, you know, if you're if you're doing a, you know seventy five and a sixty five, you know, and you make a modest income, you pay us ten dollars or whatever it is. They 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 do that. It's something that is done. It's it's not you know it's not uh, you know it's not pie in the sky. There there are places implementing stuff like that today. Well, and not, uh, I've pitched this to Dell Dot. I've pitched it. Oh, they to must love it. Carney. Uh, well, here's here's no here's here's the thing. Everybody loves the idea. Nobody does anything about it. We've all heard that tune before. But in a Scandinavian country, there was an experiment done uh, several years ago with speed cameras, where uh, you know they they basically they took pictures of every license plate going through, whether you're speeding or not. You're speeding, you go into the you're getting a ticket pile. You're not speeding, you go into the lottery pile, and they take a portion of the ticket revenue. And that goes into this lottery pod. So you go to your mailbox. You've got this thing from, you know, the, the highway department or whatever. Safe driving uh, and kickback. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, congratulations. You, you know, thanks for being a safe driver. Here's 100 bucks. And what they found was that in the areas where it's traditional enforcement only, no, no reward system, uh, you know, the average speed dropped to right at the speed limit. But... In this area where they set up the lottery, the average speed dropped below the speed limit, and people were happier. It was, you know, it's like it's like playing the lottery every time you just drive under the speed limit. It's like, oh, you know, yeah, throw my uh, license number in there again for a possible win. I wanted to give you an opportunity before we wrap up um, to talk a little bit about some other work you've been doing on and correlations between this and um, police violence. Yes. I don't know how much you can speak about it. It was very we, we've we've corresponded a little bit about it, and I think it's it's a sort of an interesting direction, and I wonder how much you can share about that because it sort of plays into this. It overlaps this, I should say. I'll sh- yeah, I'll share. Um, there's a study that came out, and I can give you the information, and you can put the link to it where um, where the the researchers, the sociologists, I'm a sociologist too, so we kind of you know have an affinity, but um where it was able to show a statistical association in cities that charged excessive um, or that, that collected excessive amounts of fines and fees also had excessive cases where police kill um, civilians and, you know, could be justified, could be unjustified. That wasn't, that wasn't in play. Just the number of people where, who died because of lethal force used by police? Well, that's good and, because here in Delaware, I don't know if you know this, they're all justified. I don't know if you've uh, yeah, well, yeah, seen. I don't know if you've I've, noticed. Uh, I've heard that. Uh, yeah, that time or two. yeah, it's funny how that works. And so that kind of got my imagine. You know, and there's this thing called the ecological fallacy, which you got to be careful about when you you know 
transfer general findings to specific areas. But despite that, kind of looking at Willington and, you know, we documented a high level of fines and then also doing some of the math of, you know, people who died. And there's there's um, websites that keep that keep data on like every single, um, you know, police involved fatality that that occurs um, that occurs in the U.S. And, you know, you pull those for Wilmington and Wilmington's rates for that were higher as well. And it's like, wow, this is, you know, all of a sudden that ratchets things up because, um, you know, if you can get this kind of a link and that interested me kind of looking at Wilmington kind of as a case study. Um, and it's not that parking tickets cause police to kill people um, or vice versa. We don't know how that would happen, vice versa, but it's, Kind of, there's kind of a third dynamic going on that would lead to both police killing people and um, and higher levels of you know parking tickets, red light tickets, and other fines and fees. And so I pitched that to Rob because I thought that would kind of be a natural story for the call, you know, to kind of look at that within Wilmington. I mean, you had a couple of high profile. You had um, you know Jeremy McDowell. You had um, uh, no, I'm blanking on his name. Um, year or two ago who kind of tried to blow past some cops Lyman in his Moses. car. Yeah, Lemon Moses. Thank you. And, um, you know, some high-profile cases, other low-profile cases that happened. And so dig deep, and what I did, and I did a lot of this last weekend, so it's still very fresh in my mind, um, looking at, other, well, because you make that connection and then you come back and you can say, well, that's just because there's a lot of crime in Wilmington. Because there's a lot of crime, police are going to, you know, it's it's a poor city where they're going to collect a lot of fines. There's a lot of crime where people are going to shoot more people. So there's not this connection at all. So I said, well, does this happen in other cities that are, you know, majority, majority minority population and that have high levels of poverty? And so I kind of, and that are mid-sized cities. And you have a couple of them in the area. I mean, you have Camden, you have Chester, you have Trenton, Harrisburg, Lancaster, um, cities like that. And basically did the same numbers there. And so you have cities that have, you know, roughly similar profile to Camden and Wilmington actually does better. I mean, they're, the numbers are still high, and I'm not going to, like, pat them on the back and say, yeah, you're doing a, a bang-up job. But the rates of um, the rates of police killing civilians is a lot higher in a city, in Hartford, in Trenton, in Chester, place, than it is here in Wilmington. So the rate, the levels here are high, but they're not as high as other comparable cities. So... Right there, that gets a lot more complicated to kind of go into that link. So I didn't get a chance to tell you yet. I have a that I, makes sense. I mean, I, I it it uh, I, it's it's out of line, but it's not. Uh, it's not as out of line worst, as other places. Not, yeah, but then the other thing I will say, where I don't think Wilmington is so much the story, but I would say is look at Camden, because they had. Um, they had police shootings, police killings through the roof up until 2012, where they reorganized their, you know, they basically disbanded their police force and got the county to come in. And I don't know if you remember during all the, the George Floyd stuff where Camden was kind of put as a poster child where a lot of the violence that happened in cities like Wilmington or Philadelphia didn't happen in Camden. 
And what real what wasn't shown there is that the number of police killings since 2012 has gone way down to I believe the last one happened in like 2017 or 2018. Wilmington since for the last 10 years has won pretty much like clockwork every other year there's a police fatality which is pretty high given that you know the population of Wilmington's about 70,000. So I as you can tell I went in a rabbit I went on a ra down a, another rabbit hole on this and um it's an important topic I learned a lot and um I think what to look at is Camden and what they did, how they changed the culture so that you have high levels of crime, which have gone down, just like in Wilmington, crime has gone down, but also police killings in Camden have gone down, you know, to where where they were considerably higher than Wilmington, they are now lower than Wilmington, if you want to use Wilmington kind of as a benchmark. So interesting stuff. Um well, Ken, what's what what are some next steps? I mean, it obviously the, this report came out uh, there, there's, there's clearly no appetite from the city to like even admit that maybe we could reshuffle this to make it a little more clear, uh, or to make it a little more even. So, what do we do next? Right. I, I, I just uh, shared this with another city council member earlier today. It's the, the basic thing is first, you know, it, it's you're dealing with an addict. You have to admit that there's a problem. Uh, admit that uh, that. Yeah, they're that they're using this for revenue only. We're going to bring actually. There's going to be an intervention. We're bringing Mike Prasicki in. Right there now. you go. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, and, and and to be perfectly honest with you, I I don't expect anything out of this administration. Yeah, I mean they've they've been stonewalling, you know, since 2020 on this. You know, the, the I mean they just shut down all communications then and uh, you know whatever. Um, you know I'm. I'm starting to talk with the candidates who are running for mayor next to say, let's take a good look at the, I mean, hopefully anybody with any kind of an economic background will look at this and go, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to be paying this much money to a contractor for so little return. Uh, and the, and you know, the, the, the additional harm that it does to the city. Yeah. Uh, in the reputation that it has. And, yeah, you know, I mean, how many people just say, you know, this is one other re I hear two reasons why people don't want, want to come into the city. Number one, they're scared for their personal safety. Well, that's, uh, we, we, <laughs> as you just said, what people don't, the, the crime is coming way down. Right. Uh, uh, that, that's sort of like, we could talk about that too, because I have a, my, right. my, my opinion about that is similar to my opinion about parking. Right. Uh, but, so, but any, so people case. people say, you know, I'm afraid about the crime and then I'm afraid to get a ticket. And uh, and I remember, you know, Mark Fields uh, before, you know, he retired from the Grand and, and went off to live his best life in Colorado. He uh, he used to tell me all the time, he says, you know, someone could come into the city, enjoy an incredible meal, go to a great show, have the time of their life. If they come out and there's an illegitimate parking ticket sitting on their car, that's what they're going to remember. That's that's it. They don't want to ever come back, and so the city needs to really look at that. And also, when you look at the cost of tickets, it's like to what extent does that turn the population against their government? I mean, basically, government is shaking them down for money, and then you know the residents react by just kind of alienation, resentment, and other things, and it's just. 
there's a kind of a, a price to the social contract that gets paid that's, you know, again, is it worth it for the revenue that they get? Yeah, I think that's and, a good way to put it. People know, people understand when they're getting, when they're getting right. shaken down. They and, know. And, and again, just a comprehensive, again, the, the, this was a system put in place back in the 90s. The signs haven't been updated. The uh, hardware hasn't been updated. They've talked about kiosks for over 10 years. And, you know, those are finally, you know, it's like all this, there needs to be a comprehensive, let's look at where the city is right now. And let's stop, you know, trying to apply these rules from the 90s. Uh, and let's, you know, update the signage, make it clearer, because I hear that complaint all the time. People, uh, just earlier tonight, I talked to a woman, she's like, I don't know what to do in the city. I don't know where I'm supposed to park, not park, pay, not pay, whatever. Uh, and that's that's a very valid thing. We can go through and I can point to a dozen confusing signs. Uh, and then there's rogue signs. Oh, my gosh. I have, uh, you know, I finally moved one, took it to, over to city to the city county building and said, here, you know, this thing, you know, no one wanted to claim it. No one would. And then uh, did you hear about the pink hookers thing? No, <laughs> this is. I, I definitely would have remembered this story. So, about pink so hookers. well, I, I, uh, it, it didn't make the the papers because I just, you know, did it and the city fixed it within a few hours. Uh, you know, th there's there's a problem with. Um, they went through this in 2020 and it's it's reared its ugly head again. Uh, you know, companies or or businesses contracting with a tow company oh, yes. to tow right off of Market Street. And it's like, okay, you don't, your business is located on Market Street. You don't own that parking spot in front of your business. That's still the city's. Uh, and there was a, a business on 13th and Market that had signs up. It's like, we will tow. And then you look a little closer and it's like, they, have, they said, we contract with Pink Hookers Towing. Uh, which I, I love the name and I love the, the, you know, the, the snarkiness with the business and all that stuff. But, Are the trucks pink? That would but be, that's, it's, it's a woman owned business. And, uh, gotcha, you know, okay. gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, so I sent an email to the city and the subject line was, uh, is the city encouraging pink hookers to do business on market street? And you know, that, that gets, uh, cheeky. Whole, yeah. cheeky. Uh, but within a few hours, those signs are down. Now those signs had been up. Six months, a year, who knows? You know, this stuff goes on blatantly, you know, right on Market Street, right there in front of everybody, and the city just doesn't, seems to be blind to it. Yeah, I mean, so, I think I think that's the perfect way to end it. Like, if, if, if like a comprehensive, but you, you have to sort of admit you have a problem. Right. You have to admit that, you know, if, if it is in the best interest of the city, like you're saying. Then isn't it in the best interest to make it work properly? Exactly. Or or to or to even and, give it the veneer of like fairness. Like obviously, if you're only doing it Monday through Friday between nine and six, like you're not taking it serious. Right. And, you're just and, you're just going along to do the thing. And I've been saying this for years because everybody looks at me like it's parking tickets. Yes, you are absolutely right. It's parking. This is the lowest level entry level. You know, can we get something right? Kind of thing. Okay. If you can't do this right, how are we supposed to trust you with public safety or economic development or any of the other, you know, real things that, you know, this is, this is the, you know, can you get the garbage out on time? Can you, you know, just handle the sewers? You know, the, this is some of the just practical stuff that a real city is able to do without involving, you know, uh, paying out millions of dollars a year to third party contractors or whatever. Ken, thank you.
Steve, thank you again, as always. It's, it's, it's lovely to see you around town as well. We saw, saw you last week. That was, that was great. Super producer Carl, thank you for everything you're doing. We're not, we can't talk about it. It's like super secret, but we appreciate what you're doing. We, I know. I know not everybody knows, but I know what you're doing. There's so much wink, wink, nudge, nudge happening here. Look, it's, uh... we know. We know. <laughs> we know that we're all sort of in the same project. We all have to keep, keep focused because uh, the Delaware way is not going to reform itself. I don't know if you guys figured that out, but that's not, that's not how that works. Um, you know, yes, it doesn't work. Yes, it's stupid. Yes, you know, when we, when we try to explain what we're doing, it contradicts itself and we look stupid. But they're going to do it anyway because there's no mechanism that doesn't matter uh, to them. Um, and, yeah, I encourage people to, to, to read Mandy Freeze's piece because it is, um, while it's like a he said, she said, it, it, it does sort of, it shows you who's saying something and who's not really saying anything. We'll just put it that way. Um, so, um, once again, thanks, everybody. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next week. Left is best.